How's it going, guys? This is Arnold Referee's Podcast. I am the man, the myth, the legend. The man that wish he had 22-inch guns. Acock. What's up, everybody? It's the co-host, the bearded brother from another mother. Y'all know me as Mr. Chip Bayless. What's going on tonight, fake? Oh, man, I'm living the dream. That's, you know, every single white guy cliche right there, but I'm living the dream. <laughs> I'm riding high. Still coming off that Super Bowl high. And my St. Louis Battlehawks picked up a dub. But we're, we're going to dive into that here after a bit here. But we're going to start off with the first game on the lineup. And that was the D.C. Defenders against... The Saint, sorry, the Seattle Dragons. Jim Zorn's <laughs> debut, not a good one. His offense did not look good. They looked shaky throughout the whole entire game, and I believe I believe it's Aaron Murray running that offense right now. Nope. No, Aaron no. Murray. That was Aaron actually Murray's... Brandon Silver's from yes, Troy. Yes, that's right. Brandon Silver's went twenty-one for forty with two hundred seventeen yards, three tut- three tutties. And two interceptions. Yeah, I actually, I actually put Silver down in my notes as one of the players I liked in that game. You know, I mean, he, he played good for a quarterback. I just think that they didn't have the right offense diversity to get it done. The completion percentage definitely didn't look very good. Well, they also Four lost what plays. two offensive linemen in the first quarter, or something kind of like that. Yeah, well, one of them I got know ejected. That, yeah, so, so one that was actually a defensive guy that got ejected yeah. for throwing a punch. Yeah. Um. He he. Seattle. That, that offense just didn't look like it got going at any, any point in time. And for the most part, it, Silver had, had a lot of pressure in his face as soon as he snapped the ball. Yeah. So And some of those incompletions were drops, too. And this league yeah. that we've – and then we'll probably, you guys will probably talk about that, but there was a lot of drops. The leading receiver for the Dragons was Austin Proel, from, who went to UNC. <sighs> Five catches, 88 yards, and two tutties. Guy was an animal. I liked him. The only offensive production, basically. Basically, yeah. Yeah. Because the run game wasn't there, and I, and as I said, I'm gonna I'm gonna chalk it up to the poor offensive line play for him. If 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 you can't pass block and you can't run block, your offense isn't gonna go fucking anywhere. It's it's gonna be on a standstill right off the bat. And can so. I give a shout out to Dylan Day, the center for the Dragons, <laughs> because this is what the XFL is all about: dropping f bombs left and right. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. And the fact that, like, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was ABC that, that recorded, like, covered that game. Yeah. They were completely delayed off them F-bombs so bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you heard the F-word, and, like, maybe two seconds after that, you just hear, finally hear the beep, beep. Yeah, like, they, they're, like, they just muted beep. the audio. Yeah. yeah, but it was like, you missed it, dude. You missed it. You, you were way off. As for the Dragons, though, they were one for three on their one-point attempt. Yeah. Um, don't get me wrong. I'm still liking the way they're doing the, the extra, extra points. points. Yes, um, but that just means that Jim Zorn needs to go back to the drawing board uh, on those attempts. And if if the one if the one point attempts aren't working, if your plays aren't working on the one point attempts, you're just gonna have to gamble and possibly go for the three. Maybe those plays work out going for three points. See the way they kind of like broke down them going for a three. It was. It had to be like a fourth quarter, like desperation. And the thing about it is, too, like if you're down by like nine in the fourth quarter, 
it's time to start going for three. <laughs> you score a touchdown, like, and you and you go for three and you get it, that puts you right back in the game before. Fuck yeah. And that the one thing that sucked about this weekend, though, I was praying to see an overtime because I wanted to see how I that hockey that shootout, shootout yes. style yes. came to fruition, but it never it never happened. So we'll definitely, um, obviously, it's definitely going to happen later on. Like, who knows when in this season? But I definitely cannot wait. When it finally does happen, I can't wait to see it like unfold. As for the defenders, though, Cardale Jones. He played well. Very he, well. He looked, for a guy that hasn't really taken too many, because he didn't take too many snaps in the NFL, did, barely took any with Buffalo other than preseason. And then when he went to um, L.A. with the Chargers, it was basically the same thing. It was all preseason snaps because, well, he had <laughs> he had Philip Rivers in front of him. He wasn't taking his fucking job. Um, but now looking at, looking at it, be like mm, maybe maybe LA should have held on to him. <laughs> Sixteen for twenty six, two hundred thirty five yards, two tutties. Eli Rogers, former Pittsburgh Steeler, I believe. Yes. Yep. Six catches, seventy three yards, and then uh, pretty much the touchdowns came from Rashad Ross out of Arizona State, two catches, fifty two yards, and one tutty, and. Kari Lee out of Bowie State. And that's the other thing I like, too. You got some of these guys that came from schools. like From, like, junior colleges and stuff Ju- like that. Ju- yeah, exactly. Juco and never really heard much of these schools. These guys are balling. As for the defenders. Hell, jo- uh, Joe Horn's boy is playing in the league right now. Joe, Ho- Joe Horn Jr. He's actually in the XFL. Cause I'm, yes, that's what yeah, I'm saying. I say, cause yeah. He plays for, uh, I think, the Guardians, I think. I believe so. I believe so. But uh, defenders, one for three with one point attempt and over for one on their two-point attempt. Yes. Um, basically, just different side of the coin. Uh, the, the defenders looked like the complete team right there. Their quarterback play was there. The offensive line held up. Their defensive line was stifling. Shout out to Elijah Qualls. I yeah. have it written down as a person of note. Elijah Qualls was, was, was balling out on those run plays. I mean, they weren't getting past him. That, that, I remember that, that was always like game. even like when the when the Eagles drafted him, that's what basically they used him for was to be a good run stuffer. And that, yeah, like that was his mo. Like as soon as he came to Philly, like I mean, he didn't work out because obviously him being a depth guy with our defensive line for how well hard. that and Bo Allen really started playing r- real well for for the Eagles. Former UW boy yeah, so right you're, there. You're a Wisconsin <laughs> guy. As soon as you hear Bo, you just go, mm, either he's from the South or he's played for Wisconsin. It's one of the fucking two. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it says it's just the other side of the coin for the defenders. Their, the, their defensive line was stifling. The secondary was great. And, and that was actually one big question for, for me going into that game was how well was the defenders' secondary going to play? Because we all knew that – Jim Zorn was going to air it out. That's his version of the West Coast offense, and it just didn't work out. Their secondary played great, and I think bulk of the reason is because they got so much pressure up front. Their their front seven just did their jobs, and Silver was never able to able to get comfortable. And I got to be honest with you too, Elijah Campbell. I have him written down. That guy was like shut down. Apparently, yeah. they used a second round pick on him in the in the XFL draft, yeah. and he was he was phenomenal. He had the blocked. He had the blocked punt for a touchdown. Yeah, as well as an interception. So, um, kudos to Washington. We're still planning on possibly seeing a defenders game, and you know what? If they keep on winning like this, won't mind just watching it. Uh, so, 
now we're going to go into the Houston and L.A. game. Not even close. Not no. it, it, uh, Houston dominated this game from from start to finish. Um, and bulk of that is testament to Houston's offense. 37-17 is that Houston's offense and P.J. Walker. Temple guy. Is temple. an animal. Temple. He is Wait a, a temple boy. From Temple? From Temple. See, here's the thing. I Where like to teach a Temple. Remember we, remember we talked about this? The Yeah, we talked about that. Well, well he laid down the fucking law on LA. Say business and law is pretty much Temple's MO. That's yeah. like their go-to. I like. I remember watching P.J. Walker in college when he was there at Temple. And that I think it was his junior year they played Penn State. And they, and beat, they, and they, beat, they, they beat Penn State. Yeah, they beat Penn State. And then I believe they also played him in his sophomore year, and they gave Penn State a run for their money. That, that was also the year, too, the Owls, like, College game day went to yes. Temple. Mm. Like, Temple was making a lot of noise that season, too. And, unfortunately, they got rocked by Notre Dame. But The only knock on P.J. Walker was that his height. Because I think he only stands at 5'10". I was say 5'10", 5'11", not very... Russell Wilson. Yeah, well, a quarterback. Start to finish. The guy had commanded the offense, whether if he was passing or running. And the fact... And the, he, like... Ran out of like what four sacks that game? One of them he just ducked under and said, "Oh, I'm also gonna throw this." When he could have ran it, and probably picked up twenty yards. He says, "No, I'm gonna throw it." <laughs> he automatically first first snap of the game. You you can just tell that PJ it, it was it was gonna be a day for PJ because I think his first completion went for like fifteen yards or something like that. It was a huge completion. When a guy starts off like that, good luck stopping him, because <laughs> momentum's already on his side. That's his, his too. Like, even when he starts like, being mobile, like if you can't stop him passing and if you can't stop him mobile, like good luck the rest of the game. And if you can't even tackle him whenever you do get pressure, you know, peace sayonara. And then yet again, Houston's Houston's defense they they took over. <laughs> it was an excellent excellent win. Um, that and Peach, he distributed the ball. Um, 23 for 39, 272, and four tutties, one pick. Q, uh, QBR of one, 103.8. Yeah, nose over 100. <sighs> Good luck, man. And as I said, he distributed it. Uh, he had, what is that? One, two, three, Eight different receivers? Eight different receivers. Cam Phillips was the leading receiver. Four catches, 67 yards, and a tutty. And the fact that Sammy Coates, like, Sammy Coates had nine receptions. Pretty decent outing. Now, the yards don't really match up. No, sorry. He, he had nine targets, two receptions, 26 yards. And that that was the receiver everyone, everyone was boasting about for this Houston team. And he wasn't even the one took over. Um Lewis played absolutely phenomenal. He had a touchdown, had five receptions for 40, 45 yards, and then Phillips had four receptions for 67 yards. And a tutty as well. And his long, and bulk of those came for, came off one, one play. It went for 50 yards. Um, I believe it was a 50-yard scamper to the house as well. So what more can you say right there? It, 
Houston controlled it from start to finish. I don't think L.A. led at a single point in time in that whole entire game. No, I don't, I don't even recall. And the thing about the Wildcats is, like, they looked unprepared and unpre- untalented. Yes, they very yeah. untalented. And here's the thing about the Wildcats, too. They go and fire their defensive coordinator the very next day. <laughs> first game. It's like, what get- are you guys doing? Is this like the Cleveland Browns of the XFL? <laughs> are we just going to go ahead and fire people after one game? You're fired! You're fired. And the thing about it is, too, it's like, if I'm Pepper Johnson, I am pissed. Oh, yeah. You put all that time and dedication in to be fired in one game. Be fired one game. I wonder if he was fired in the Vince McMahon voice. Now, I don't know if there was, like, something personal going on. Maybe there was, like, something going on, like, outside of football with him. But, yeah, there's something. I don't, sh- I don't know, man. It can't be that. I think they really just overreacted on that loss because they were they were thinking in their heads they were going to try and pull out that win. And I don't know. L.A. LA is just a factory of sadness anymore. <laughs> Unless you're the Angels or the Dodgers. But we'll, we'll get into that later. <laughs> Thing about the Wildcats is okay. Charles Kanoff, quarterback from Princeton. So right there's trouble number one. You got a quarterback in the Navy League. Twenty-one for forty. Whoa, 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 whoa! Your bearded brother is an Ivy Leaguer. Fitzmagic. Fitzmagic. Yeah, he's, he's a Harvard a journeyman. Grad. He's a Harvard grad. <laughs> yeah. How many? How many titles do you have though? I think I think Ryan, <laughs> Ryan Fitzpatrick has only led two teams to playoffs. I think in his career. Well, he led the Bills, and then he led the Jets. That one year. J e t s Jets Jets Jets. <laughs> and then they resigned him that year. Like, oh yeah, he's gonna take us back. And they were like, oh god, it's, he's not. <laughs> and then uh, no. they drafted uh, Mr. Sam Darnold, yeah. the man that sees ghosts. <laughs> Nelson Spruce from Colorado, eleven catches, one hundred three yards. Jordan Smallwood, Oklahoma receiver, three catches, one tutty. And the Wildcats went one for two on their two-point attempts. Yeah. I, Jordan Smallwood was, like, literally the only bright side for that L.A. team. That, that was the only bright side. It just I seemed like when he got the ball, though, I mean, it just – he actually, like – He did something. Like Yeah, he, like, that was, like, the only excitement I saw from the Wildcats offense. If, 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 if I'm L.A., I'm going into this next week game planning – to try to find every single fucking which way to get Jordan Smallwood the ball. End of story. So, uh, now we're going to go into a Saturn note uh, <laughs> for my co-host and our producer, Dev. Hold on, hold on, <laughs> hold on, hold on. I have to make an announcement. Chip is going to hate me. He's going to think that I'm a fucking switch hitter. You're leaving, ain't you? <laughs> you're, you're leaving. Oh. Bandwagon. Bandwagon oh, award. Bandwagon. Hold on. Two-teamer. Two-teamer. <laughs> He's jumping ship Listen, after one game. I, hold on. <laughs> He's looking at Mark. He's looking at Tampa Bay and Mark Tress and be like, you know, you guys are Pepper Johnson. Oh, man. You're fired. <laughs> Listen, I, I have to, because before we even started the season, I even did. I did exp- um, explain my thinking where I was saying, I'm not really sure. I really like the Vipers because of the unis, but I like the Guardians because of Matt McGloin. And my boy Matt McGloin showed out, and I looked at Matt McGloin, and I looked he at the Guardians. He balled out. He did was, more than show uh, out. And I was like, he balled I was like out. I can't do it. I have to be. I have to. And also, too, 
I can't be this. We all th we can't have any of us. That way, when we go to the games or whatever, we all need to be like separate teams. I think I kind of like the defenders too, and I was gonna lean that way when I was watching the games. I kind of watched them all perform, but I was like, it's Matt McGloin, the Guardians. I gotta roll with the Guardians, which stinks though, because now it feels like we Dev. don't have a reason to go see Dev. the defenders. What? What? Just, just be honest with us. It's the unis. It's the unis. No, no, I like the unis. I like the Vipers unis. Is what I'm saying. Vipers unis are. Uh, I'm I, not. I like away, them. They're away unis. I was like, eh. Yeah, they're actually pretty chintzy. The home ones. Their home really ones look nice. Yeah. yeah, look fire. But I, I guess I had to go with the Guardians. Roll with Matt McGloin. So I'm a Guardians fan now. You know, so everybody hates. It's the unis. <laughs> it's the unis. <laughs> it's that black and gray with a little bit of red up in there. It's the unis. Yeah. <laughs> but that's. Aaron, Aaron Murray, he just he just did not look comfortable the whole entire game. The thing about it is, too, the Vipers were down in the red zone. They literally converted a third and goal into a first down. They got made it first and goal. What's Aaron Murray do? Just throws up a lob pass into the back of the end zone, and the Guardians picked it off. Yeah. I'm just like, what was that? Like, are you kidding me? Like, you're inside, like, three yards to go, and you're just going to toss up a a duck like that, like come on. It doesn't throw a single touchdown. Throws two interceptions. Is that he just did not look comfortable whatsoever. That and I don't think Murray's that quarterback that needs to be dropping back thirty four times. Truth be told, uh, well, I mean they were playing for behind most of the game. That yeah. the way, and the way the, def the defenders were playing, it was kind of like or not the, the Guardians. The, Guardians. <laughs> the way the Guardians were playing, it was. Uh, they felt like they were behind, even though they weren't. Like, I mean, they were only down at, at most during the game, you know, 17 points or something. But, I mean, that. But that's the thing. They just felt like they were such a struggle, so you had to go back and throw so many times. And, and again, Aaron Murray, I, he had such mediocre, mediocre play. But, I mean, the whole offense as a, as a whole didn't look very good at all. When they put uh, Quentin Flowers in, a former South Florida guy, Mm-hmm. When they had him running the offense, it looked like if they were actually getting like a lot like life. And I was like, why are we not starting this kid over Aaron Murray? Yeah. I get that Aaron Murray's the pocket passer and everything, but Quentin Flowers can do both. Like he can throw and he can run. And it just seemed like when he was in over Murray, like the offense was actually clicking. Like they were actually Well the the other thing is when you can't get the ball to your probably the best receiver on your team. Mm, yeah. yeah, you have an issue it, it, when you go out and you sign a guy like Antonio Callaway, and he doesn't come away with a single reception. That's an issue. That's an issue. That means you aren't game planning to get him the ball enough. Yeah, and End of best, story. The best receiver on the Vipers was Daniel Williams out of Jackson State. Six catches for 122 Jackson yards. Where? Jackson, Jackson where? Jackson State. State. Jackson State. Okay. <laughs> it's below the Mississippi. <laughs> but um. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know what the even funnier part is? Is the fact that like our kicker was the only one that got points on the board in an yeah. XFL game. That's that's sad. But you know what? Very that, sad. That leads yeah. some creeds, and I guess you guys will get touch on that more later on, is like uh, the, the, it was a lot more defensive than I thought it was going to be. Well, some of the games, yes. <laughs> yeah. Some of the games, yes. Like I said, I, I think the Guardians – the Guardians had probably the best defense out of the entire week. Like I would give yes. them the better defense award out of the entire week. Uh, five sacks, three forced fumbles, a scoop and score by corner Jamar Summers out of UConn. Just they balled out, plain and simple. Like yep. they completely shut the Vipers down in every aspect of the game. And props to 
your your guys' boy there, McGoin, like he played he played his game. He played what he he did and what he needed. He's a game manager. That's what McGoin is. He's not gonna be the guy that's gonna go out there and you know drop back 40 or 50 times and go out there and win a game yeah, for He it. dropped back 29 times, yeah. completed so, 15 of his passes, 182 yards, one touchdown. Profession. And he had the opening – on the opening drive, took one in for from one yard line. Yeah, he, he was proficient. And that's that's what – that seems to be what the, the Guardians' game plan is going to be. And as I said, he, he, was, he was smart with the ball. He was smart with the ball. Didn't turn it over. Didn't try to fucking force anything. Right, which was kind of the difference between him and Aaron Murray. Yeah, yeah big time. Huge, huge difference. Aaron Murray was like trying to prove something out there, and he left it all out on the field. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it, Tampa just never they they were another team. Thing about it is too, it's like I sit there and look at Tampa Bay's wide receivers. Tressman, for some reason, has this knack for these tall, lanky receivers. Like I mean, he did the same thing when he like with Jeffrey. His, during his stint with Chicago, because he had both Alshon Jeffrey and Brandon Marshall. Mm-hmm. And they were pretty beastly. And they were beastly, yeah. But you look at the Vipers, it's like these guys are all like 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, like 220 to like 250 pounds. And then there's like absolutely zero speed. Yeah. Well, I was going to say the, the wide receiver. No, I noticed about the wide receivers. Them small ones really made a difference. And like they got lost. Like Prol. Yeah, Pro, yeah, Pro, he, he's Pro. only like 5'10", and that guy was just sneaking in behind defenders and everything else. So it's kind of interesting that you brought that up because it's I don't I don't think those top athletes that are the big and fast they don't I don't know if they get quite the same look that, or the, not because if they were any if they were that if they had both that um, caliber it's I not, think they'd be in the NFL. Absolute athleticism yeah. because you look yeah. at guys like Calvin Johnson and his frame like what. Uh, Who's another one? Cortland Sutton. Cortland Sutton. Yep. That's the one for the Denver Broncos. Uh, you know, just anybody with that big speed and size and you know ball handling. I don't think foresee them being in the NFL. If they if they were if they had those tangibles, they'd be in the NFL. Absolutely. So, the number one thing Tressman needs to do this week is find a way to get Callaway the ball. End of story. Mm-hmm. When your best receiver doesn't even get a target, that's an issue. End of fucking story. Especially whenever he's also your fastest player and your best playmaker on the offense. They need to find some way, somehow, to get him the ball. Reverses, trick plays, figure it the fuck out. Get him the ball, and maybe, just maybe, Tampa Bay will have better success next week. That needs to be Tressman's number one priority this week in game planning. Um, But now we're going to dive into... St. Louis and Dallas. Now this was this was by a, far a, a complete, probably the best dip, game of yeah. the entire weekend. And I love that it was the Sunday primetime game. Um, I always fuck up this guy's name. <laughs> uh, St. Louis's quarterback. I know Jordan Tamu. Yeah, Tamu. He put. I remember watching him playing um, at Ole Miss. At Ole Miss. I love this kid. I love this kid. How the hell he never found his way onto an alpha roster is beyond me. But I'm okay with it because now he's in St. Louis. <laughs> <laughs> 209 yards, a touchdown, a 108.4 QVR. Hell, the guy even had 77 yards of rushing. Just a different quarterback than PJ than PJ Walker. Because he's a little bit taller, he's a little bit lankier, he's a little bit built, a little bit better. But at the same time, is 
doesn't turn the ball over. He's hard to bring down, and he proved that against Dallas. I, I think at one point in time, he... Yeah, that 37-yard run, yard run, that was a potential sack that he broke away, away from and just decided to take it 37 yards. I played phenomenal, and both defenses played very well as well. Um, it, it said it was the best, completely different game than the than the other three. Because the other three, it was either one team was blowing out the other team. This one was very close. It was very defensive. And there wasn't that many turnovers either. That's the other, that's the other thing. It was just a pure defensive game. And then Marquette King kept on just, you know, showing off his leg. <laughs> <laughs> that, I love the fact that Pat McAfee was calling that game. I love, I love Pat McAfee calls. <laughs> I, think, I think it was partially because they, Marquette King was there. I guarantee if you're the XFL oh, yeah. and, and if you're, uh, you know, you're sitting there thinking, well, who do we need to get to do this game? And we have like one of the, the you know, one of the leagues. He was the NFL, one of the NFL's best punters. Yep. And now XFL. is the XFL's best punter. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Who are you going to get? Pat McAfee. McAfee. <laughs> I like he, it too. He actually saved uh, Troy Aikman's life if he didn't see, if like, if you were in like. Yes. Yes. Because there was a play, I think <laughs> it was either the Battle Hawks were running or the Renegades it, were running. It was the Battle Hawks tight end was like going out of bounds. It was like an out <laughs> route towards the sideline. And McAfee's like, yo, Troy, watch out. <laughs> Like, just pulled Troy Aikman aside, and, like, Troy Aikman's like, wow, you just, like, saved, saved my life. Yeah. That's actually really cool, though, though, that that happened. Now, Dallas, I think they have probably the best, one of the best backfields in the league right now between Dunbar. Um, Lance Dunbar? Lance yeah. Dunbar, yeah. Lance Dunbar and then uh, Artis Payne, Curtis Artis Payne. Oh, that, yeah. I, they, they probably have one of the best backfields in the league. I'm telling you, they get one of those guys going, game fucking over. Dallas is going to be a hard team to beat. (laughs) Interesting story about the Renegades quarterback, Philip Nelson, out of East Carolina. Before the XFL started, do you want to know what he was doing? Wasn't he working on a shipping dock or something like that? No. This dude was an Instagram underwear model. Oh, yeah, I was going to say. I'm like, this dude he... was modeling for underwear on Instagram. Well, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's be real. What kind of underwear? Is it like Fruit of the Loom? Like, I don't know if it didn't. No. Uh, but are we talking like banana saying, hammocks I, here? I, I, was, I don't know because I wasn't going to get on Instagram and be like, yo, I got to check this dude's face, or Instagram account. <laughs> and slide into his DMs and be like, yo, Holmes, hook a brother up with a free pair. <laughs> free pair. You got some banana hammocks. <laughs> 33 for 42, 209 yards, no tutty, but one pick. Yeah, now, now I, I don't think Nelson's going to be – I think Dallas needs to lean on that run. Nelson's not going to be that guy that's going to be – And the thing about it is, Landry Jones is supposed to be the starting quarterback. The fact that he got – Landry Jones got beat out by an underwear model. Well, it wasn't, <laughs> even, it wasn't even like he got beat out. I guess Landry Jones was – like I guess he was dealing with like a knee injury or something like that. And what's funny is, like, they said that, like, before the XFL season even began, they were saying, like, Landry Jones was supposed to be, like, the face of the league and everything. Whoa! Okay, time out here. That's <laughs> that is ex- that's exactly that. Hey, that's exactly what the, I honestly Landry heard that during the game. Jones? They were saying the face of the league. Yes. You'd be better off Marquette King. 
Start start marketing okay. the fucking punter. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> Listen, that would be so XFL because imagine you have a guy like Marquette King who has personality and he's the punter as the face of your of your of your league and he's the punter. That would be so different. The fucking punter. <laughs> like give the punter his love. Now, like the M- the- now the real MVP of this game though was definitely Austin McGinnis, the can the kicker out of Kentucky. Yes. Yes. And the fact that we're saying that about the XFL right now, <laughs> that just proves, that just proves that this league can mean anything. Like, now that we're, we're finally reached the, the ending of these games, we can dive into this. I love the way the rules worked out for this and the way that they're, it's so free flowing and it's so and like the pace of the game, they're able to keep it going. It isn't like the NFL yeah, games where like, like you get those long ass change, fucking pauses. As soon as there's a change in possession, commercial break. Consistently, we saw two possessions, three possessions, four yes. possessions, and then a commercial. And then a commercial, yes. So, and and the fact that they're like all all the like the offensive players for the most part all have the same the headsets. The headsets up in there, so it's it's. It's not just the quarterback. It's no huddle, but it's not no huddle. Yeah, you know I mean, like they're still kind of huddling up and everything, but it's it's nothing where they're in. The, they're sitting there in the fucking huddle for five minutes, and then finally walking up to the line, and they barely get getting the ball off. So here's the notes I took down for what I thought was actually like awesome and not so cool this weekend. So the XFL, you have two timeouts. Yes, that's good. There's a live mic for obviously all the players. Even on incomplete passes, the clock still runs. Love yeah. it. Did you, did you guys notice that? Yeah. yeah. I love it. And it just keeps the game thing. going. And the two, yep, exactly. The and two then, minute rule makes it like you could actually come back in a game. Like if you get within those two minutes, it's kind of like, that's how they make up for the fact that the clock doesn't stop on incompletion. Yes. And it's, like, it, it's kind of, so like, basically they kind of took out of like what across the pond people would call, call their football. You know, it, there's certain amount, they, they play for 90 minutes, right? But at, at the end of each half, if if there's been a certain amount of time of like dead ball time, mm-hmm. they'll add two minutes, three minutes, four minutes, and that's all on all on the uh, the main ref ma- the main ref to make that decision. So I I like that fact. They're they're taking like little bits from like di- different different, games. Sp- different sports, and they're it's that I love the way they have it going right now. It's such a fast-paced game, and that's what football fucking should be. <laughs> yeah. So we had the one-foot college catch rule. Yeah. I like it. I like it. Like, it's it's different. It's different. Because um, let's be honest. I mean, that's – I mean, this is what this is. It's just one step above college. So, I mean, why make it NFL? Why make it yeah. like that? If, and the XFL even the knows XFL, they're not going to be competing with the NFL yeah. at all. And that's the other thing I like about the XFL, like XFL too, because it's like they can sit there and say, you know, we know we're not going to compete with the ratings and the money that Goodell and the and the Shield brings. At the same time, though, the XFL is doing like a completely different aspect of the game to where us as the as fans enjoy it. That and hits the hits. I love the hits. I, I fucking love the hits. Imagine being Vontaze Burford right now, sitting at home watching this. Going, man, I could be killing, killing people, people right now. <laughs> <laughs> but then 
he realizes he's making like double the money in the NFL. So he's exactly. Like, yeah, so he's I'll like, yeah, it. you know what? And eh, never but mind. You, you, you know, like, I think the XFL can be what the AAU wanted to be. They can be the feeder, the feeder league, in, in sense. Well, they I, don't well, need I, to partner with the NFL or anything, but they can. They can make their money off of being that feeder league. I wouldn't want it to be a feeder because I want some players to stay in the XFL. So like I have that talent to watch, you know. Like well, that's that's all up to the players, right? That is, but I mean, I don't. I would really, I would prefer if the XFL could just find the budget that way they could pay the players in that league something, maybe not as much as an NFL player, and but I enough where, they're, they're, where they could say, "Oh, I'm getting paid twenty million. Well, the, okay, I'll okay. Do so it. Like, like the way that they're 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 doing the pay. And I think from what I've seen too, I guess the winning team gets like a hundred thousand or something yeah. like that. So, but the way, so like always, I think it's like three players on the roster. Those are your superstar players. They will be paid the most. And but there's a there's a max. There's a max. There's only a certain amount you can make. And I think that way the XFL is doing it right now is the correct way because they aren't going to be fucking you know blowing blowing their cash right. Or and also, way. too, the uh, the teams, what it does is it gets rid of that whole BS you have to deal with in the NFL where, you know, I want to be paid the next top mm-hmm. player in the league. and yada, yada. It's like, well, this is the max. If you don't want to – if you want more money, then don't play in our league. Exactly. Yeah. And as I said, that, that gives the XFL the cushion not to be what happened the first time where they were overpaying for most of these players. And then at the end of the year, they're getting – practically bankrupt and can't afford to go on the next year. So doing this is going to be able to keep them financially stable to be able to keep on coming back year and year and year. Now, who's who say they don't take off and they're able to bump that up? I, I say they keep on doing what they're doing, you know, no matter what. But, you know, as they get bigger and everything else, then they can bump pay scales up and stuff like that because, like, the lower-level guys on, those, on that roster is, like, I— I saw I was I was watching a video on it uh, this morning while I was getting ready for work. Um, the lower level guys on those rosters are making sixty k a year. That's what they make, sixty k. Yeah, sixty. I mean, well, if you think about it from our perspective, though, like a sixty thousand a dollar a year job is like a decent salary or something. Well, yeah. But but I mean, you're at the same time. You're right. You know, that's kind of weird for us to see see that. But I mean, like I, I like it though, is because they're if they're paying if they're playing for sixty thousand. They're playing for the love of the game. You yep. know, we're not getting we're not getting these players in the league that are there. You know, like they're trying to get stupid paid. I mean, some of them might yeah. be trying to make it back to the NFL or whatever. Or, Sure, but I'm, I'm saying, like, they're just, they're like, I just want to play football, man. So, exactly. yeah, let me play some football. Okay, so the replay official, I don't know if you guys saw this, they're using Xbox what? controllers. <laughs> whatever, man, whatever. Can works. I just say I love this? <laughs> <laughs> hey, it works. <laughs> yeah, whatever, man. If it works, it works. They use, I mean, because if you've ever watched, like, Hard Knocks or um, uh, the show on HBO. There's a thing. I, or not HBO. I think it was during, like, Luke Keekley's retirement, too, because they were showing him in, like, the linebacker room. And I guess, like, yeah, I they, guess the Panthers pa- the Panthers used Xbox. Yeah, they used Xbox uh, controllers. That's what I was going to say. They did a, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of who it was, Amazon Prime. They have a show where, like, they every year they'll go through, they'll just follow a team all season long. I think that's, they did the Eagles this year. 
because I'm pretty sure it's like all in. I think it is all in. Yeah. And yeah. They did the yeah. I say, the, I say the Eagles were this year's team. They did the Panthers last year, and the Panthers. That's what I said was that when they were in the film room. They had Xboxes to watch the film, and like Luke Keekley's like holding the controller, or like playing through the stuff, and it's just funny. Like that's how they review film is they use an Xbox controller and just go through it. So I thought that was kind of like a cool homage in a way. So like the NFL were like t- they took something that's like people just do in the back room. And that's the other thing I like too. Like even like during challenges. You can actually hear the communication between like the replay booth and yes. the officials. Like we're in the NFL, it's like you got to hear like Dean, uh, Blandino, and yeah, well yeah. that, and you also got to hear the Mike Pereira. It's like, like yeah. all right, guys, I don't know, and all it is is just asking some other asshole what he thinks. Yeah, because he's not even he's not even the one making the call. He just exactly like, he's just the head of the shit. Like yeah, he just like. Yeah, uh, if I were them, I would think that this is a this is a no call here uh, or whatever he would say. And it was actually pretty yeah. cool too, because like as he's sitting there with the Xbox controller, like you just hear him be like, "Okay, so the ball is on like the thirty-five yard line. It should be first and ten, New York." Yeah, it, it that and I love the fact that they took took the little tidbit from the NFL and that they're reviewing every single play that happens, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's. That's another good thing. It, you know, it, you weren't just leaving it up for the replay booth, to, you know, to be like, oh, maybe, maybe I, I don't know. Yeah. You know, maybe we should look at this play. It's every single play is reviewed. So I like that aspect of it. Okay, now to the annoying parts, though. Obviously, I, like I said earlier, I think it's a bit annoying that these interviews go on, like, after, like, literally after every play. Yeah. Like, you got interviewers from, like, every like ESPN, no matter what. They're going up to players, interviewing them. Like, a kicker can miss a field goal, and you're going to walk up to someone and be like, what was going through your mind when you missed that field goal? Like, how does it feel to know that you basically screwed your team over <laughs> yeah, from wait, winning a game? <laughs> way to screw the pooch and shank it to the left, fuckhead. Way to double doink. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm telling you, it's going to get to the point. Someone's going to get punched. <laughs> a player's going to be aggravated. And like I said, a huge shout-out. To Dylan Day for the from the Dragons who dropped the multiple f bombs. Yeah, because yeah. I'm telling you, it's gonna get to that point. These players are gonna get aggravated. Like, he, he basically said, it, like, we're just trying to do our fucking jobs. Like, get the fuck out of his face. Exactly. Okay? Like, he's not happy. They're yeah. gonna blow him the fuck out right what? now, and he's getting his ass kicked. Get the fuck yeah. away from him. <laughs> and the other thing I kind of like found awkward too is like, I think it was the DC Defender Seattle game. Yeah, them going into the locker room during halftime. Yeah. Walk around the locker room like, what are you doing? There could be some guy like taking a piss at a urinal and being yeah. like that. Yeah. And that 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 halftime time during the halftime, the, the fucking teams and the coaches should be focused on, on trying adjust, to make an adjustment yeah, for the yeah, second yeah, half. Right, like the DC to fucking defenders game. They're out there kicking the other guy's ass, and you're like, so what do you think is going to happen? Well, I'd love to be able to talk to my team and figure out what the fuck is going on! <laughs> yeah, well, um, you guys are going to be – so I have a different opinion on it. I actually like the interviews. Maybe not as frequently as they happen. Yeah, like not as frequently. But, but, but I like that because it's cool to break it up during the game where there's actually, like, things happening on the sideline because there's so much dead time, like, especially between, like, plays, transitions, etc. Commercials. And, and also, too – it's the XFL is about entertainment. You know, it's a little bit because it was, you know, it's Vince McMahon, you know, and the NFL, don't get wrong. NFL is for the love of the game, et cetera, whatever. But like XFL is a little bit more towards like the, or the entertainment. And you know what? I like the F bombs. I love I the F bombs. I love when people are pissed off at the camera lady. I want to see what his reaction is <laughs> going to be. Don't, don't get me wrong. But like at the, the same time, possibilities are going to be endless. But don't, at the same time, don't be pulling the fucking head coach off from the side. 
you know, be like, hey, come over here by your players. That was even during the Guardians game yeah. they did that. I'm like, I, like, I know you want to be, like, up close by the field and figuring out what the fuck your defense is doing right now. Because but no, they come pulled, back they here pulled, and do an interview. They pulled Kevin Gilbright while was, like, yeah. like, during, like, a huge defensive stand for the Guardians. Like, you could have Kevin Gilbright just standing there celebrating, like, a good play by his defense. No, instead, you're, you're interviewing him at, like, the worst time possible. Go interview the fucking running back or the D-tackle that made the sack. Go interview him. That's the equivalent of the bad refs. They don't have, the X-Men doesn't have, like, the bad referees. It's just, like, like the problem is you randomly have to take a hit where someone interviews you, and then your team has to falter for that. Like, like coaches have to just eat an interview. They're like, shit, instead of eating a timeout or something, they, like, overtop the clock. That, that's the other, like, penalty they get. Like, <laughs> like oh, no, the interview's coming. Because every coach gets, like, interviewed once a game, and, like, it'll come on a random play, and there's nothing they can do about it. And like, shit, oh, yeah, yeah, we're doing good. FY banana sex square. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> right. Oh, just, shit. like, turn away from the camera, Mike. <laughs> just call the flag. Right, can I get a Frankenberry Xbox 460? Now, the one other pro that I, I want to add in here, the refs that they hired are college referees, which I think is a good thing. Because bulk of the XFL rules kind of lean more towards the college, college game rules. than the NFL game. So bringing in these college refs that are working for the Big Ten, and because uh, I think the bulk of them are Big Ten, Big 12, and uh, Pac-12. Referees, that's a great thing. That's a great thing. Like, that was another good move by the XFL. I love it. Yeah, I, I wanted to say one more thing about what I hated. Um, I did not like that I could hear them calling the plays. You didn't like it? I didn't like it. I, I liked, like I liked, I liked, like, whenever you got to, like, sometimes when they showed some of it, but, like, whenever you would, like, hear them, like, calling the plays and everything, it would feel like to me, like, like, what are you doing? I don't want to know what the play is. Like, I want to see, because that's, like, the fun for me for football is, like, what are they going to do See, I think next? what they should do with that is, like, a crucial moment, like a big play. Yeah. Like a huge, like a huge third down or a huge fourth down or something like that. Like, because that was like the one thing that, like, when I was watching the Seattle game, like, they had, they had Zorn Zorn Mike on so, so like, way too much. Yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure you heard half his fucking playbook that game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's what I was sitting there thinking to myself is when I hear the playbook, I'm sitting there thinking, wait a minute. You're telling me, but you're also telling everybody what the plays and the audibles and all that shit is for them. You know, it's like, I'm hearing it. There's a code to be deciphered. You know, that or they have to change their terms every week, and that's going to make for – if you have to change your terms every if week. If you're having to change your, your, your verbiage on your play calls – It's going to hurt your playbook. It's going to hurt your performance. It's going to hurt everything. No one's going to be able to fucking pick up the goddamn playbook. Yeah. Um, but – that's why I didn't like it. I mean, I I, I I like that they all have headsets. I like that they all hear the coach. I just don't like that we, the audience, hear it. Now, well, i got to give a huge shout-out to Jerry Glanville, the defensive coordinator for the Vipers. Love it. <laughs> he had two headsets. If anybody is getting clusterfucked with, like, plays, yeah. it's Jerry Glanville. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably getting both offense headset and defensive headset. Can, can I just say I love Jerry Glanville? Now, I don't know if you guys know this. So, Jerry Glanville was actually the head coach that drafted Brett Favre. Oh, really? Yeah, he was. Atlanta Falcons. Yes. Yep. He was the Atlanta Falcons head coach at the time when he drafted Brett Favre. And <laughs> what the reason I love Jerry Glanville, because he has never said Brett Favre's name correctly. Well, it's called a Mississippi. <laughs> yeah, it was either Mississippi or uh, 
Favor. Favor, yeah. <laughs> He'd be like, hey, favor. <laughs> favor. And he never liked Brett Favre. And that's why he traded him <laughs> for a fucking turkey sandwich to fucking Green Bay. <laughs> and the rest is history. <laughs> Getting rest. back into the XFL, though, fake. We got to make our week two picks. Week two picks. Here we go. First game, Saturday, February 15th, 2 p.m. on ABC. We have the New York Guardians at the D.C. Defenders. Fake. DC. DC defenders get another win at home. This is going to be a good defensive game because of the if both teams of how they like of how their defenses played last week come into this game like the way they played last week. Low scoring affair. I think I think DC defends their home once again. I'm going to say the defenders at home. I like D D is that DC's front. This game seven. could also be though. I think this might be the overtime game. It might be. Yeah. It, I I like DC DC's front seven more than I like the Guardians' offensive line. I think they put a solid gr- uh, group of linebackers and defensive linemen. Apparently, together. the Seattle Dragons were supposed to have one of the best defensive lines in the league this year, from what I was told. Like, whenever we were watching that game, Jerry was watching it. They were supposed to have – I mean, I don't know how much of that was true, but they were supposed to have the one of the and best defensive And it wasn't even lines. that long until they started getting, like, banged up. And Yeah. yeah. Now, I will say I will say this. If I, my pick, um, I'm probably going to go with uh, the Guardians. Well, actually, I just know it's going to be a close – it's going to be a good game because they were probably two of the better teams that we saw – and yep. they kind of have like equal strengths and offense and weaknesses and whatnot. Um, but the, I, I will say this: the X factor might be the creativeness of the the coach for the defenders. He was I, I watching him make plays and calls. He had some very interesting things in the playbook ready to go to make some plays. So um, I don't know. That might be the X factor. So actually, I will. Even though I'm a Guardians fan, I'll I'll go defenders. My my X factor for for that game is going to be Cardell Jones. Oh yeah. If he, he plays the, the way he did last week, done. Guardians uh, don't stand a chance. He plays the way he did last week. Um, the five o'clock game on Saturday is the Tampa Bay Vi- Vipers and the Seattle Dragons. Ooh, and so that was like two of the losers from this past week. The two, yep, the two. Uh, two offenses that just never just sputtered the whole entire time. As I said already earlier in the show, once again, I'm not really. F- I mean, last week, yeah, I did predict Tampa Bay to win. Well, the crazy thing is they were a favorite. They I were want, a favorite, I want, yeah. I want to say that from Rip, if anybody has been paying attention. The XFL, they were they were projected to go 6-2. and two. It, it's the, the other thing also, like, one more thing, like, go, going back to what we liked. I like one thing, like, about the XFL. They actually have, like, the over-under, and, like, they actually have the favorite on the scoreboard. Yes. Oh, that's uh, – yeah, I forgot the betting. The betting possibilities. The betting, yeah. So, um, like I said, I, I I picked Tampa Bay last week. Well, I'm not feeling good about them in Seattle. No, I I have Tampa Bay winning this one, and the reason I say that is because I think Tressman is going to do what I said he needs to do earlier in the show. He's going to find every single which way to get Callaway the ball this week. And I just don't like Seattle's defense right now. I think they're too beat up, and Callaway's going to have a fucking field day. I think the uh, quarterback for the Seattle Dragons is actually a pretty decent quarterback. Springs or is it well, Silver? Silver's. Silver. Yeah, I, I would say Silver was pretty pretty good. So I'm actually going to go with Dragons on this one. I, I think Aaron Murray's going to bounce back this week, and and bouncing back, I think he's going to be finding Callaway left and fucking right. Like I said, it's going to be interesting because I just 
the way they had Quentin Flowers in, it just seemed like that's when the Vipers' offense finally started clicking. And then as soon as they put Aaron Murray back in, it was just like dead again. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna I'm, st- I'm definitely sticking with Seattle on this one though. Seattle. Your your pick. I'm picking Seattle. Yeah, against my Vipers. Yep. Oh, we're going to Tampa. Okay. <laughs> As for the Sunday games, first game, 3 o'clock on ABC. We have the Dallas Renegades at the L.A. Wildcats. L.A. That'll be another one of those kind of games that, like I said, the two losing teams will be playing each other. Yeah, but I got Dallas in this one. I got Dallas as well. I got Dallas by at least two tutties. Yeah. I, I it also s- depends, too, whether or not they're going to – if Landry Jones is going to be starting or if they're going to stick with the – Philip Nelson. I think they're gonna learn. I think they're gonna learn from the mistake that they made against St. Louis, and they're gonna lean more on that run game because said they have probably two of the best backs in the league, between Artis Payne and um, Lance Dunbar. So, mm-hmm. I think they're gonna feed both those guys. They're gonna run two headed backfield. They're gonna feed them. I got Dallas by two tutties. Yeah, I got Dallas as well. Dallas's defense is just way too good as well. And the Wildcats just they so underwhelmed that I mean I mean of course the only way they could go is up but I just don't know I you know what I mean you don't I don't know their potential and that's the thing like the difference between this and the NFL this league just started yeah. so we really don't have a lot of body of information to see how good some of these players are and, and the are. Wildcats are already off to a shaky start already yeah. like organizationally wise because why would you fire a, a defensive coordinator after one game Yeah you're yeah. kind of in so trouble, they're they're in already like. It, up it, I just don't see. I I just don't see them getting their footing this week against Dallas. So, um, and then for our primetime game, this is actually on FS1 at six. Fake your St. Louis BattleHawks are at the Houston Roughnecks. This <clears throat> is going to be a good game, <clears throat> which also could be a possible overtime. Can you just a smell? The Battlehawks are cooking. I got the Battlehawks beating up Houston at home. <laughs> what the fuck did he just say? You heard it here. They folks. are going to kick Houston's candy ass all over the field. <laughs> say it with less conviction, please. <laughs> Let me tell you something, fake. <laughs> this is where I gotta disagree with you. I'm telling you right now, you might be high on your Battlehawks after week one, but I'm telling you right now, PJ Walker, ooh, he looks so nice week one. And I'm telling you right now, fake, at home, again, I see this being an overtime game. And when it comes time to crunching down the numbers in a hockey shootout, I'm feeling pretty damn good about the Roughnecks. And they're going to snap the Battlehawks' one-game win streak. Oh, yeah! (laughs) It's not happening. It's not happening. I'm telling you right now, how how the fuck did you say his name again? It's Tamu? Yeah, Tamu. So you can't even name your own quarterback. <laughs> I always fuck up his last name. I always, I always want to call, say like tomorrow or some shit like that. Tamu. Tamu. I'm just going to call him Shamu. Because uh, you know what? Shamu is going to deliver a people's fucking elbow. Wait, what? In fucking overtime. 
and it's going to be prime time, crunch time. If the Roughnecks win, I'm free in my willy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's going to be crunch time. I am the man, macho man, Randy Savage. Yeah, we're going to get that dub. And guess what, ladies and gentlemen? Your boy Devin's going to drop the signature bomb on you. Go, birds. Birds are fighting the battle ox. So you're picking the battle ox. Yeah, I'm picking the battle ox. Okay, I was gonna say. I just did the voice impression just to do it. <laughs> I never had to sit here and laugh for a minute. All right, guys, we're gonna take oh an intermission. Uh, all right, so we're uh, we're gonna dive back into a little bit of week one. We're we're gonna uh, we're gonna talk our players of the week. All right, well, I, this is where I'm going to bow out, um, but uh, hey, thanks for having me up here with y'all talking, and I'm going to go back doing my producer stuff. So That was Producer Dev with us. Be sure to check out his podcast as well, Bridging the Gap. Him and Coach do a fantastic job. Give him a like. Give check a- out the Facebook page. They, they, they live stream it. <laughs> Send nudes. <laughs> <laughs> so we are actually in agreement. For our offensive player of the week. For the XFL. We are going to go with Houston Roughnecks quarterback, P.J. Walker. Absolutely. And Fake, who do you have as our defensive player week one? I got Will Hill. You got Will Hill. I got Will Hill. He, He played an excellent game. He played an excellent game. He was the veteran presence of that defense. Um, And he proved it out there. He, he played... Excellent, excellent. I don't understand why the heck no NFL team ever picked him up or why Baltimore ever let him go because he played amazingly. Um, so I, I have Will Hill. That's pretty solid. I, I'm actually going to go Will Hill also. Um, he balled out, plain and simple. I mean, he yep. had a hell of a, hell of a game. Instead, he was he was the anchor. Of I was I, I was honestly going to go with Guardians corner uh, Jamar Summers because he also was another ball hawk for the Guardians. Yes, um, with a crucial scoop and score on Aaron Murray. Um, so I believe we're also now we're going to dive into a little bit of NFL now. Yes, sir. You are going to get our pre-mock draft. Pre-combine. Yes, pre-combine mock draft. We are on picks. 10 to 20. 10 through 20, yes. So starting at pick number 10, the Cleveland Browns, who previously went 6 and 10, had an all-hype offseason last last offseason where we were sitting there considering maybe these guys are for real in the AFC North. Maybe could it be that, that Freddie Kitchens could lead this team to the to the playoffs? But then they should have brick, as the Browns do, because they are a factory of sadness. And then, of course, you had turmoil in the front office with uh, what's his name, Ken Dorsey, the GM that got fired. I don't think it's Ken. I think it's G- Jim. Jim Dorsey. Jim Dorsey. Um, yeah, because he he was he was the uh, uh, the GM for. So Dorsey Kansas out, City. Kitchens out. In comes Stefanski. And uh, Andrew Barry, former G, uh, well, not really necessarily GM for the Eagles, but he he came from the Eagles. 
He was basically Howie Roseman's like right hand man. Right hand man. So the Browns getting a little bit of Philly mix in. I see the Browns going offensive line here. Yeah. They're definitely going to go offensive line. I actually have them taking uh, the kid from Iowa. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Freeze, I believe it is. <laughs> Who you have taking, Fake? I'm right there with you with the Iowa kid. I, they're definitely going to have they, – they they've been trying to build back up that offensive line where they had it before yeah. it because honestly they had a pretty decent offensive line there for many years whenever they had Joe Thomas and uh, um, Alex Mack and Schwartz and Treader so yeah I completely agree and plus you got to factor in too you got to build yeah, around yeah, Baker yeah you got to like, you got you, you got to keep him upright. And you can't be having these guys getting in Baker's face all the time. So, obviously, the pick there for the Browns is offensive line. Going with pick number 11, we have the New York J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. This was a team that <clears throat> hiring Adam Gase was kind of questionable because even from, like, the opening, like, introduction for Adam Gase, we all remember that, how that interview went. Yeah. Basically looking like he was zoned out of his mind, looking around, looking like, like. Am I in fucking New York right now, <laughs> like or am I still in Miami? Yeah. Um. Honestly, Jets need to go wide receiver. And honestly, I, you're, yeah, I, I completely agree with you because not. I think with, I think Roby Anderson's going to be testing free agency. Yeah, there, there's been speculation. Uh, Roby Anderson's actually been tied to Philly. There, yeah, there's um, been ties there, but I, I don't know, man. I don't know about. And there's also been ties to him possibly going to Green Bay. So that being said, I got the Jets taking Jerry Judy, the speedy wide receiver from Alabama. From Alley, Alabama, roll because, tide. Because you got to figure too, Alabama. I mean, that wide receiver core is just fast. Like you, you, you can't get wrong with any of the guys from Alabama. Yeah, and if you're gonna lose um, Anderson. You know, you're going to lose some speed there at the wide receiver position, so it's a good thing to just replace it. And plus, you got to get, you know, Sam Darnold a weapon. What about yeah. T. Higgins? At 11 now? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah. Good. That's kind of stretching it. On to pick number 12, we have the now Las Vegas Raiders. Producer Dev back there, wondering who we're going to pick. Honestly, you got to get Derek Carr weapons. And who I have the Raiders taking? C.D. Lamb out of Oklahoma. That's where Almost kind of reminds me of like an Amari Cooper almost. Like size-wise. I don't know about speed. I don't know if it's, it's going to be questionable. Fake, who do you have the Raiders taking? Fake. One sec here. I actually have him going offensive line. Producer Dev with the glaring eyes of not sure if you're. I have them taking Cole Van Lynn out of the University of Wisconsin. That is such a homer pick. That is such a homer pick. Not even mock drafts have this guy going. No. 
Now, started all Yes, th- exactly. Started all three seasons for Wisconsin. They need to replace the right tackle. They already did the left tackle last year in free agency. They need to find a way to be able to keep Derek Carr upright. Whenever you start all three years straight at the right right tackle position, don't miss a game. Spent two years straight not giving up a sack and averaging forty two pancakes a season. That is the perfect guy for John Gruden. The problem was he had tackles, he just couldn't stay alive. Exactly. Brown kept dying every five seconds of whatever the hell he had. So this is also the same fake hockey league that thinks JT is going at five. Dude, he's going first round, no matter what. He he, I'm, that's why I you said last week he's gonna go twenty six to the Dolphins. You don't average two thousand yards from scrimmage. I can't three do years that straight. High, and average over a thousand yards rushing, and be the offense, and not go in the first in the first round. Because everyone said, "Oh, Melvin Gordon's going to be dropping into the second round." What does he do? He goes top five to the Chargers. It's debatable. Like I said, I can't. I just don't see Taylor and going. You know what? Exactly in the top five. He's going to be a first, He'll be a late first rounder. That's why I had. Like I said last week. If it, like, and Dolphins have three picks. They have five, um, I believe, 18. Yep, 18, because that was from the uh, Minka Fitzpatrick trade. And then 26. Um, like I said, I got JT going 26 there. He's going to be he's gonna be a first-rounder, but I think he's going to be a late first-rounder. Well, here, here's the thing. If they wait that long, LA's talking about dropping Todd Gurley. They're talking about possibly releasing him. L.A. might jump on that. By the way, you can take in the top five. It's San Diego took him in the top 15. Just top 15 fake. It, it, I just want to, to make that a correction. Slight correction. <laughs> on, on to our next pick. I actually have a trade here. The Dallas Cowboys are moving up to number 13 with the trading with the Indianapolis Colts who recently sitting there at 13. I got the Cowboys taking a safety, Xavier McKinney, out of Alabama. You got to figure out the Cowboys are going to be cleaning a lot of their secondary to, you know, clean up their cap space. I I don't see them going secondary. I see them possibly trying to grab a wide receiver. Because you don't. To replace Amari Cooper. If Amari goes, yeah, they, they, and they that's still we, and he's still leaning on going. They have, they still haven't really yeah, made Michael any headway. Gallup, and that's good. Like you give guys like Michael Gallup, who performed pretty well, you know, he, he's now going to be the true number one if Amari goes. Um, but I still think with with Dallas and their secondary, I, there's going to be a lot of cleanup in that secondary. I think they're just going to finally get someone who. Cowboys got a lot of cap. They got like seven six mil this year. The Cowboys? Yep, seven six mil. So I mean, they're not a lot working against them. I think they could easily sign Dak and Amari Cooper if they got the money. But I don't think I. I think the thing is, I don't think Amari wants to go back. It depends too, because I know Dak already turned down the first offer that they gave him, which was like thirty three million. Is as I I don't. So, they wanted to the organization. If they yeah. really want to resign Mark Cooper, they could overpay him a little bit to keep him there. If he wanted to leave, I don't think that he really wants to leave because it's a good place for him. I think. 
energy into it is primarily you actually have a renaissance where he didn't with the open race. So Yeah, but I, I think Amari sees the writing on the wall and he knows where all the money's gonna be going. Cause here here's the thing. Dallas still has to re-sign that offensive line here in the next two years. They have to re-sign that that offensive line. Then they also have to try to re-sign Van Bosch coming up here. They also have to try to re-sign Jalen Smith. Dak. Can't they have a fifth-year option on Van Der Esch? If that's the case, they don't have to sign him for another three years. Because this, this was his second year. This was his, his sophomore year. Sophomore year, yeah. Yeah. So if he had a fifth-year option, then he's only got – so three years? That's not immediate. I would say – but I would also throw in, too, that uh, the line – are they really going to resign all those guys? Whenever I think some of them are starting to hit like 32, 33. I know Lyman could play longer. I'm just saying, like, do you think they're, they're going to resign all of them? I, I think Smith is the oldest one, and, and he's 28. Tyron Smith? Yeah. Everyone else is still 25. Yeah, so they got to be at least like 26, 27. Okay. I, and say, I, I see Amari <laughs> Cooper somewhere else, and that's actually where I see Hig- Higgins going. T. Higgins in Dallas? Yeah. I see Higgins going to Dallas. Tristan Wurfs was also the kid from Iowa who I think that the uh, Cleveland Browns are going to take. Okay. That's who I was talking about. Um, On to pick 14, we have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think they're going to go defensive line here. They're going to get someone who's known to be disruptive. I'm going to go with Javon Kinlaw out of South Carolina. 6'5", 315, has 34-inch arm span, well-known in the – to be disruptive in the passing game, very well known batting passes down. Fake, who do you have? QB. You're going quarterback. No more Jameis. No, this is them putting Jameis on the hot seat. On watch. Be like, what's the fuckhead? Either you get this done, or is this Jacob Eason is going to be Eason. I, I I see. That's where I see the Washington quarterback going. Um, he he kind of fits what they want to do. He's like you know he's not too mobile, but he can get away with it. Has a strong arm. His accuracy needs a little bit of improvement, but you know in the right system, I think he he can flourish. And I think that's that Tampa Bay system. So that's where I have Easton going. I, I've been saying it for a while. I see Herbert dropping. Um. And you guys will find out where I think I see Herbert going here. Yeah, because I was going to say, because we didn't even say, like, if any, I think I said Herbert was going to go to the Chargers at uh, pick six. But like I said, if these quarterback needy teams, and I even shared it on our Facebook page too, there was actually an article that brought up a point that I said last week that if these quarterback needy teams are going to be moving up in the first, like, within the first five picks, Detroit is the team to trade with. To yes. move up and get a quarterback. That being uh, – all right, uh, moving on, we're going to go to their next pick. We have number 15, the Denver Broncos. This is actually interesting because they can go a lot of places here, a lot of positions here. I actually have them going offensive line. That being said, I am going to go with Josh Jones out of Houston. Because you figure if they're going to be rocking with, if they're going with Drew Locke, 
You got to keep him upright. I agree with that pick. I agree with that pick. You taking Josh Jones also? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think he 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 would fit well in in that scheme and what they were going to want to do with Drew Locke. So yeah, I I agree with that one. Pick number sixteen, we have the Atlanta Falcons. And here comes my out of left field pick. Quarterback. Mr. Justin Herbert. You're going Herbert to Atlanta. I like Herbert to Atlanta. And the reason is because I think. Because I was thinking too is like. Because like I said I have. Let's be honest here. Colts trading with Dallas. And Colts will be moving back to 17. If Herbert's still there at 17. The way I look at it is. Matty Ice isn't getting any younger. Herbert still has some areas where he needs to grow. And him sitting behind um, Matt Ryan would do him would benefit him immensely. So that's where I have Atlanta grabbing Herbert. Herbert's going to be holding a clipboard for two or three years, and and it's not a huge. It's not a huge gamble. It isn't like you know he's going in in the top ten or anything like that or top five. He's fall. He said he's fallen. He's still going in the first round, but he's fallen. Now, fake. I shared something with you earlier on Facebook. I sent you a video mm-hmm. involving the Atlanta Falcons moving yes. on from a certain running back. Now, remember when I said about your boy JT? Mm-hmm. Possibly going to the Dolphins at 26. This move here wouldn't surprise me, but seeing as how the Atlanta Falcons are in a much better situation than the Dolphins are, I'm taking JT here at the Atlanta Falcons at 18. Because if they're. Fits what they do. If it's true that what I shared on Facebook with you, that they're going to be moving on from Devontae Freeman. I see the Atlanta Falcons taking JT here at 18. But they need to do it smart. They need to move him during the draft. They don't release him. Move him try during get, the draft get and get another pick. You know, like either That's get a true. second or a third. Like, but at least get something. Just don't fucking release him. Because here's the thing. Detroit wanted him bad. And they were just asking for way too much. So why are you going to ask for a ton during the season, but then come the offseason just release him? Trade him. Get something out of him. Do not pull the normal dirty birds and just fuck it up. Fuck it up <laughs> and shoot yourselves in the foot. So, but yeah, I I still I still have them taking Herbert, but at the same time, it JT the JT pick does make sense because of what they they like they like to do. They like having backs that are going to be able to run and catch out of the backfield. Falcons don't have a lot of cap space, and I don't think they, they could afford to just re-sign Devontae Freeman just to then use him as a trade piece for a good pick because they would still have to So they'd simply have to cut him. So they simply um, – I honestly think they have to let him go just because of they don't have the money. They have about $4 million in cap space. They don't have jack. I mean, that, and that's why I even shared the fake earlier. I was just like, dude, 
Falcons are going to be moving on so, from Devontae. Because no one said that to me earlier, and I think what it really is is that uh, the Falcons, they just can't afford to keep him. I don't think it's they hate him. Well, that's because oh, they, no, there's, there's no, no. just can't afford to keep the, him. The, the issue is, is that they dumped all that money into Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. And Julio Jones, is, I'm, pro, I'm, I'm telling you, is at least keep taking up at least 10% of that cap space right there just himself. Yeah. Yeah, because so I know that's a major. That was a huge fucking huge contract that he took. Back to the draft, we had number 17, the Indianapolis Colts, via the Dallas Cowboy trade. I have the, Cow- I have the Colts going an edge rusher here, not a quarterback, pass rusher, A.J. Espineza. Epineza from Iowa. See, that's that's where we differ. Yet again, I have him going quarterback. But I know what I've been saying. Are you going love here? I know what I've been saying for weeks and saying he's going to be falling to the third round, but I see him taking Tua here. You're going Tua here. This is where this this is what I'm saying. Holy Christmas. I have him taking Tua. Where's your dev? The percentage. Is nine point nine nine percent? Wow! Like that was like almost perfect. Like by point zero. I told you almost ten percent of the cap. I told you. I told you almost ten percent of the cap. Matt Ryan was taking up eleven point eight two percent of the cap. So when you have we we have two guys taking up twenty percent of your fucking cap right there, both on the same side of of the ball, and they aren't getting any younger. So. Yeah, I said I have an, I I I see Indianapolis taking the chance on Tua, and the reason I say that is because they have the offensive line already in place to be able to protect him. With him being a left-handed quarterback and everything, they have they have a great right tackle. They have a great offensive line. They spent they they put they took the Dallas mold and they spent first-round picks on oh, their offensive so. line. Yep. That's probably the best situation for him and for him to be able to succeed. And plus, you don't have bad receivers there either, like T.Y. Hilton. Mm-hmm. So, and, you know, Eric Ebron had had his resurgence there in Indy. Um, I I see them taking a chance on Tua. If not Tua, Jalen Hurts. No matter what, I see them taking one of those, one of those two quarterbacks. Because I already have Jake Fromm off the board. I already have Easton off the board, and I already have Herbert off the board for me. So, on to the next pick. We have the Miami Dolphins via the Pittsburgh Steelers from the Minka Fitzpatrick trade. I got the Dolphins taken. DeAndre Swift running back from Georgia. Dolphins don't have a true number one back. DeAndre Swift is very versatile. I think this is a good pick for the Dolphins here. See, this is this is where I, ha- I actually have Jalen Hurts. Going. You have Jalen Hurts going to Dolphins? Yes. He fits that what Flo wants to do, if you ask me. If they aren't gonna, if they aren't gonna go with Rosen, they're they're gonna go they're gonna go with Hertz. And honestly, I more and more stories that are coming out out of Miami right now is that Flo's not bought into Rosen. I see Rosen also getting moved during the draft again. I said this last week, fake. I said that there had to be something going on in that in that quarterback room that they were not completely sold with Josh Rosen. I completely understand like your aspect, like when it comes to giving so, up a first round, or giving up a second round pick and using him. But like, like there was something to me that's saying 
maybe they're just not bought into Rosen like me- like mechanically, like working on his mechanics and stuff like that. Are you, are you ready to hear this? I'm just give it to me. Rosen will be moved to the dark side and will be in New England. What about your boy Trubisky? You're all about Trubisky to New England. Here's okay, so more and more stories are coming out about Cam. I think Cam's going to stay in Carolina. Chicago's ah, going to be. See, now you're starting to come on my side because I, I was in the Cam staying in Carolina train for a while now. I, I said, I've been more and more stories are coming out. Cam, I believe Cam's going to stay in Carolina, and Chicago's just kind of ha- going to kind of be like forced in the hand because here's here's the thing, Rosen. I see Rosen get moved to New England. He kind of fits that mold that 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 Belichick likes to have a quarterback. I still have I still have Mariota ended up in Miami, come free agency. I don't want to go through another fake hockey offseason. <laughs> I can't I can't do this again because I can't just sit there and picture that, all these planes going from point A to point B and sit here drawing this in my mind. I'm just trying to give you the idea of Miami here. Okay. So the way I see Miami going into pre- preseason quarterback wise is Jalen Hurts, Mariota, and Fitzpatrick on the roster. I'm not gonna lie, fake that is a terrible quarterback room to have right there. That is that is just a absolute bad mixed drink of fuckery right there <laughs> back to the mock draft pick number 19 the oakland raiders or excuse me the las vegas raiders via the chicago bears from the Khalil mac trade i believe i had the raiders going cornerback cj henderson out of florida i agree uh, i said i have them using their first fir- first round pick on an offensive lineman and then their second one on on that secondary because honestly i did like oakland's front seven on defense, they they and they kind of went a little bit heavy on the front seven in last year's draft. This year, I see them trying to strengthen strengthen the offensive line to help be able to build up for um for that running game, and then their second first round pick going somewhere in the secondary. And the the Florida corner is probably the best one. It's going to be left on the board at at that time. So, and to wrap up our. 10-pick mock draft from picks 10 through 20. The Jacksonville Jaguars via the Los Angeles Rams from the Jalen Ramsey trade. Here's where I have T. Higgins going to Jacksonville. See, I see them going offensive line as well. Okay. One sec here. Fact of the matter is, like, the reason why I have Higgins going here is because obviously you got to give Gardner Minshew a true potential wide receiver, give him someone to throw to, and what better way? Because I'm pretty sure Higgins has to be over six foot tall as a wide receiver. He's six foot four. Six four, yes. He's big. Also, uh, yeah, no one's and I'm pretty sure his. Up the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we got we got fake over here, probably pulling up a Wisconsin offensive line depth chart right now and be like, here's a guy who I think should go to Jacksonville and be. Stash Daddy's blind side. So you got like five badgers in the I first round. I actually have um, McKee Becton. Uh, he's an offensive tackle out of Louisville. He's six seven, three hundred and sixty nine pounds. That's a mammoth. Um, that's not a man. That's a mammoth. <laughs> I'm 
Manmouth. And you know what? His 40 time is 560. That is a huge boy playing offensive tackle. And he fits what Jacksonville they does. They have 40 time in already? It's not in the combine. Or is that just like, like actual like, – Projected. Pro- That's pro- his projected 40 oh, I was going to say because I was like, wait a minute. I was like, I got to see this. So I was like – so. He, I'll have to remember project- this name during the combine because I want to see this boy run now. He he's projected- I'm all about the, the hog mall he's running. It's that he he's projected to go in the top sixteen. That's where I think I see him falling back into in the twentieth there um, because of his size. Not really, just because of his size. I I think there isn't that much need for tackles early in this draft. I think it's more interior guys. Um, guards, centers, so on, so forth. Not too much. Not too much tackle need. Jacksonville needs fucking. They need offensive line in general, and I think a guy like this, it would be a perfect fit for him. Be able to throw in front of uh, Leonard Fournette. That's where I. That's and honestly, they they need a they need a left tackle. They need a left tackle desperate to be able to keep Stash Daddy upright. This is a perfect guy for him. And that, guys, will conclude our NFL pre-combine mock draft. Sticking our yeah, last... Yeah, that one came out left field. Oh, Wisconsin guy, and I just throw out fucking moves now. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> Staying in the NFL, this is going to be our last topic of the night, ladies and gentlemen. We are going to be talking about the Cleveland Browns, unfortunately. Miles Garrett... He's back! <laughs> gets reinstated by Roger Goodell. Just two days after him and Roger Goodell had a meeting in New York City. Fake, what's your take on Miles Garrett being reinstated? This is how I see that um, that meeting going. Okay, Miles, have we learned our lesson? Yes, Mr. Goodell. Don't smack quarterbacks with my fucking helmet. With their helmet. <laughs> yeah, with their helmet. Don't rip off the fucking helmet and then, you know, use, use them as a whack-a-mole. Okay, just as long as we're on the same page, you aren't going to be beating up no more fucking quarterbacks, we'll let you come back. But at, at the same time, like, Miles, that was so out of the norm for him. He's not known as that guy. Um... So I, I think that uh, that's another thing that really played a factor in it. I still stand by that he should not have been suspended for the rest of the year, um, like he was. I two game suspension, like for fuck's sakes, Vontez Burfitt's done far worse fucking things. I completely agree. Um, so it's I knew he. There was no way he was going to be like indefinite, indefinite. Like, oh, you know, you're going to sit out a whole yeah, another year. Like, come on, like, come on, like, for fuck's sakes, Rudolph was going after his face mask way before he, he went after him. So that's all I'm going to say. I completely agree. Um, Stan, like, being on your side of the take, I actually did call it early in the season that he, the the league was going to probably suspend him for the rest of the season because. In a moment like that, where it's like you can't just be putting not only yourself in that kind of predicament, but also others. Um, that being said, I still think that it was the right decision to reinstate him because, like you just said, Miles Garrett's not known to be as that player or as that character on the field. Um, yeah, on or off. So, 
Yeah, that being said, I just I completely agree with the league deciding to let him play again, letting him back in. Um, definitely a lesson learned for Miles Garrett um, moving forward. And hopefully, like, and that's the other thing too, because ne- this next com- like upcoming season, that's all it's going to be for. Like, every time you're going to sit there and watch the Browns and Steelers, they're always going to bring that moment up. Yeah. Where mm-hmm. I think that's going to be a lesson to be taught towards these, like, Younger guys. Younger guys coming into the league or even, like, veterans, like, in the league. Like, hey, listen, we aren't putting up with this shit anymore. We're just going to throw the book at you. Like, if you're going to put – basically your, what they did. They threw the book at you. If you're honestly going to put yourself in that situation and you want to act that way, then that this is what's going to happen. This These are the consequences that you're going to be dealt with. But, yeah, I'd compl- I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see Miles Garrett reinstated, being allowed to play again. And uh, I think that's going to be about it, Fake. Yep, that's where we're going to wrap it up. We appreciate everybody tuning in, checking us out. Make sure you check out our Facebook page. Um, tell your friends about us. Tell your coworkers. Not your dogs. No, tell your dogs. <laughs> you tell your chihuahua to tell his fucking Rottweiler friend to fucking <laughs> check us out. As I said, check out our Facebook page. We're constantly uploading up on there. Our Snapchat that is ran by... My co-host and our Instagram, Instagram that is also ran by my co-host here because I don't get into those things. Um, <laughs> I'm all about the social media. I'm the social media whiz when it comes to me and him. So, so it said, check us out and don't be afraid to leave us our Johnny Manziel five star rating on our Facebook page and iTunes. So Spotify, iHeartRadio. Appreciate you guys coming out. Y'all stay classy. Have a great night. We love you.